0: This one here already sorted, like the big one goes in the big one, the white one, the color one. So this is all ready to send, like this one all green and white
1: and small, the big one. So the, the all sorted the caps. Are off. Yeah. Sorting plastic waste in Indonesian coastal villages is a labor of love. It's mundane and time-consuming, but it's the only way to abate the millions of tons of plastic slipping into our oceans every year. And community-oriented villagers like Helen who I was just talking to are the people in Asia who are driving a new way of managing waste so it doesn't get dumped into nearby rivers and shores. But how can small waste centers like Helen's get the support they need to actually take their sorted waste and get it to where it can be recycled? Welcome to Season 9 The Plastic First Mile. I'm Marcy Trent Long. We are looking at how different countries in Asia are tackling the journey of a PET plastic water bottle from the hands of consumers to a recycling plant. That's called the plastic first mile. In the last episode about Bali, we learned the struggles of putting together a successful pilot waste and recycling center with the help of McKinsey.org. So now let's look at the wider picture of how the government of Indonesia can support the Bali and other local village initiatives to deal with plastic waste. In 2017, the president of Indonesia announced a bold commitment to reduce ocean plastic 70 percent by 2025. That's only five years away. To achieve this goal, they need help. And there's a group of women inside and outside Indonesia leading that charge, including Kirana Agustina.
2: So it all started when I... Take my master degree in London. I was really curious like when Indonesia being mentioned as the second largest marine polluter and I wonder is this Indonesia become the main actor or are we the victim? Because I just realized as an Indonesian, the waste has no
1: border rights. Is Indonesia the victim or the offender of ocean plastic waste? Kirana wanted to know more, so she joined the World Resources Institute in Jakarta, one of the partners in the World Economic Forum's initiative, Global Plastic Action Partnership.
2: The Global Plastic Action Partnership was my first sentence in my dissertation, actually, because I think this is really interesting and very uh, good collaboration because Beforehand, like we never really work all together between the government, private sector and industry, as well as civil society organization. And I found that through GPAP or through the National Plastic Action Partnership, we can really convene all those voices together and really to work to achieve the same goals in a way in reduction of 70 percent marine plastic pollution in Indonesia waters.
1: I asked Kirana why she thought the World Economic Forum cares so much about Indonesia solving their plastic pollution problem.
2: We are situated in the Coral Triangle region, which is the global hotspot of marine biodiversity in terms of the coral reef, the fish species, and other charismatic species like a turtle and whales or shark. And if they are threatening by the ocean plastic pollution, we don't want The next generation cannot have
1: the same opportunity. Luckily, Kirana was not the only Indonesian woman who sought to fix their marine debris dilemma. I think they're supposed to do, but they
0: don't know how to do.
1: Ibu Nani Hendiarti from the government of Indonesia was working to make a difference.
0: I'm working in the Coordinating Ministry for Maritime Affairs and investment. Now I'm responsible as a director for maritime science and technology. We work closely with the Ministry of the Environment and Forestry to make the implementation of the National Plan of
1: Action on the handling of marine debris. People like Ibu Nani, as she's referred to in Indonesia, know they couldn't tackle plastic waste recycling
3: on their own. So they reached out for help. And Indonesia was the first country and they actually approached us and very, very proactively said we want to be engaged in the Global Plastic Action Partnership. How can we co-develop and co-create solutions that help us to address our objective of reducing the country's marine plastic debris 70 percent? By 2025.
1: Kristen Hughes is the director of Global Plastic Action Partnership, launched at the World Economic Forum in 2018. Supported by governments, large corporations, foundations, and NGOs, GPAP, as it's called, aims to avert plastic pollution from source to sea by 2025. So rather than starting with a village pilot program like McKinsey.org did in Bali, their objective is to work at the national government level. So the idea was to replicate GPAP at a national level, using the same supporters and partners, only applying them to individual governments like Indonesia.
3: So the first step we did was working with the World Bank and working with a local research institute in Indonesia was to craft a baseline to understand exactly the level of waste and where it's coming from, frankly, so that we actually can start to address it.
1: And this baseline study came out in April 2020. So through our study, we divided into four archetypes. Mega city,
2: such as like greater Jakarta. Medium, such as Surabaya, which is still a big city, but less than Jakarta. The third one is rural, and the last one is remote area. From that study, actually, the 72% of the problem is coming from the rural area where the way they, they manage the waste is either by open burning or dump their waste. So that means that we still have a big work in Indonesia, especially in the
1: rural and remote area. Luckily, some rural areas are being assisted by local foundations to set up trash banks. More after this short break. Did you know that Sustainable Asia is now publishing teaching guides for all of our podcast seasons? And we're starting to write feature articles for other publications about environmental issues here in Asia. Check out our website, SustainableAsia.co, or look up SustainableAsia on Medium.com. Now we can head back to the remote village that's setting up a new trash bank. We traveled to the narrow waterway of the Lembe Straits of Sulawesi, where we met Helen Panangang in her small seaside village. And she told me what life was like before the village started waste collection.
0: So before we have the uh, trash bank, all the beach covered with plastic, especially on that side, because it's always, you know, every high tide is coming, the plastic is coming with the water also. And it's just so dirty. Olympic Foundation is uh, start giving the presentation, tell the people here that how important to keep the beach clean and then how dangerous this plastic is. So we start to clean up, like, first it's only like a few people,
1: but then it's coming more and then now it's a whole village. Helen works at the nearby Lembe Resort. That resort set up the Lembe Foundation and is funding the village's new trash bank, waste collection, and education center. The foundation also subsidizes the cost of sending the sorted waste across to the big island of Sulawesi to the nearest sorting center for recycling. Now, with a new trash bank in operation five days a week, Helen's husband, Newsman scooters around the village to pick up the sorted household recyclables. But Helen said, It's just like, oh my God, this
0: is the war never ending. Because even if we told them like not to bring all the product in plastic, then they cannot find the things because... In the mainland, everything just comes in the plastic.
1: Helen and Newsman live in a traditional fishing village, so if they want food products like yogurts, beverages, they have to import it from mainland Sulawesi or Java.
0: I don't know why don't they don't care. I mean, they know right
1: the effect of the plastic that they produce. So the plastic waste problem is bigger than what Helen's small village can solve. And even though the rural areas are on the forefront of this dilemma, the urban centers also have their challenges, which are similar problems that we encountered in our Hong Kong episode. bad scenario, which happens very often, is that the bottle
4: is not sorted well enough at the source, so it's contaminated or it's dirty or it has lower value than it should and therefore it never gets to a sorting facility and it never gets to a recycler, so it ends up either in the landfill, the final landfill, and stays there for 100 years, or it goes into an estuary somewhere and ends up in the river and the ocean.
1: Another woman pushing for change in Indonesia is Tisa Mafira, who helped found the Indonesia Plastic Bag Diet Movement and holds a Master of Law from Harvard.
4: Of course, this is more complicated, 10 times more complicated if this bottle is on a remote island, because with remote islands, there is most likely no infrastructure available or either sorting or recycling that bottle. So uh, even though the bottle managed to find its way to that remote island, there is no system in place to take it away from that island.
1: And that brings us back to infrastructure and financing, which takes the kind of national coordination encouraged in the recent GPAP and NPEP research report in their recommended strategy framework.
3: And we've been working really, really closely with Minister Lahut. And uh, a year ago at this time, he was the Minister of Coordinating Ministry of Maritime Affairs. Since that time, that ministry has grown to include investments. And I think that's really, really powerful. When we think about the Global Plastic Action Partnership and our three pillars, the third pillar is really channeling financing and finding those investable solutions to support the insights and the action roadmaps that we address in the first two pillars of our approach.
1: And if you remember, the Coordinating Ministry for Maritime Affairs and Investments is who Ibu Nani works for. So given that Indonesia has one plastic recycling plant, it's pretty clear that they're going to need more infrastructure to complete their plastic first mile. So with a roadmap in place and infrastructure needs clearly laid out, NPAP decided it was time to set up a finance task force.
2: In the financing task force, uh, the co-chair is the country director of Asian Development Bank and the Ministry of Finance. And we will have 10 to 20 members, uh, right? But, but right now we have around 10 members from Canada government, Denmark government. So what's the next step? We are going to launch the financing roadmap, hopefully this August, by convening different multi-stakeholders, government inside, private sector industry, as well as civil society, we can really accelerate and achieve the 70% of target.
1: Indonesia now seems to have a roadmap for developing the infrastructure needed to stem the tide of plastic going into their oceans. After all, the world gave Indonesia plastic packaging, so maybe it's also the world's responsibility to help clean up this beautiful and biodiverse archipelago. And throughout this long path, women like Kirana, Helen, Ibu Nani, Tisa, and Kristen, they've all taken a leading role to help reach Indonesia's 70% marine plastic reduction goal by the ambitious date of 2025. Whether it's working with NGOs that are calling for more solutions or inside the government pushing for more investment, or even at the local village level, educating children on recycling, the unremitting effort by these women now gives Indonesia a clearer picture for tackling the plastic problem. So there's hope, which is good news for Helen's village and the Indonesian people.
0: If they will not stop, this earth will be end at some point, covered with plastic. I saw the videos of one of the Village in Bali, like full of plastic, like, oh my, that's bad, that's bad. And I don't want that thing to happen here because we have a kids, you know, they need a future for them to play or to live
1: one day. Season 9 Asia's Plastic First Mile is hosted by me, Marcy Trent Long. Wu Yu Fei is our associate producer. Sound engineering by Chris Wood. Alexander Mobison created the intro outro music made from repurposed and recovered waste items. You can find his work at kailnother.net. A big thank you to our Sustainable Asia team Josie Chan, Crystal Wu, Bonnie Au, Ariane DeRossier, Joshua Lee, and Jill Baxter. Special thanks to the Journalism and Media Studies Centre at the University of Hong Kong, where Sustainable Asia is recorded.